0: Hello and welcome to episode 159 of Page One, the Writers Podcast. I'm Tarek. I'm
1: Marco, and thanks for joining us on the podcast where we like to speak to writers of all kinds about their writing careers, find out how they got into the industry and try and get as many hints and tips from them as possible. And we've got a whole array of great guests in the back catalogue there, from screenwriters to authors to crime writers to journalists to comedians. So please do check that out. Please also check out our new podcast, Page One Extra, which is available as a video podcast on our YouTube channel or on its own podcast feed, Page One Extra, if you search for that. That's all about the latest writing news. And we also have guests on that podcast. In our first episode, we're speaking with the brilliant Sam Holland about the price of eBooks
0: And why they are too high or too low, depending on whether you're a reader or a writer.
1: Yes, that's right. So, yeah, please do check that out. And we'll have a new episode of that coming out very shortly. So make sure you're subscribing or following so that you can get the next episode. But uh, we have a great episode of this podcast for you this week.
0: Yeah, this week we're chatting with the wonderful Elliot Sweeney, whose debut novel, The Next to Die, has just been released, and it's a, it's a really great episode. He's another person, I know it's was always a cliche at this point, but a person who's had an interesting route into the industry, community psychiatric nurse, he did the creative, Curtis Brown creative writing course, and he's kind of... I think he's taken his day job and he's infused his writing with a little bit, you know, that kind of inspiration and the topics he wants to explore, the issues he wants to discuss. That yeah, kind of thing.
1: and and you know, he's a writer that I think uh, you have a bit in common with in terms of the style of good-looking guy, is he? Eh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Apart from that, <laughs> uh, the style of style of crime writing, sort of that dark noir. Yeah, he definitely know. likes this dark stuff. And, and we we discuss a bit about what noir is and how. it it's defined because obviously it's a term that can be used quite a lot and it's not always used correctly, you might say. But uh, I th- he's got a very clear definition of what he thinks noir should yeah. be, uh, and that was interesting to chat to him about as well. So we'll get straight into the podcast after a quick advert for a writer's notebook, and then we'll be back at the end of the podcast with a bit more chat and to let you know about next week's guest.
0: But for now, on with the podcast
1: The Blank Page. To some, it's terrifying, an obstacle to overcome. But we prefer to think of it as an opportunity, a blank canvas to be filled with all of the adventures and characters in our head. So how to overcome that fear? Well, we all know the best advice for a writer is... write. Seriously, get words on the page and more will follow.
0: But what about later, when you start trying to pull those threads of what you've written together? What about the character you wrote about way back at the start? Who was she again? Every story starts with page one.
1: Did you always want to be a writer? Yes,
2: I did. Um, That's a bit of a cliche, but it was the first thing I ever wanted to do. I I, I used to think I still do believe that these small rectangular objects hold magic and power, and I I was captivated by them and. um, and and people who, who who wrote, I thought, must be had special magical powers as well because,
1: um, yeah, I did. Because I I think I read that you grew up reading Stephen King and yeah. um, stuff. that I saw you describe as not booky books. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, by that, I'm I'm guessing you sort of mean not like your your sort of um, Dostoevskys and things like that, but no. more. <laughs> thrillers and and things like that perhaps
2: as a t- as a t- as a teenager yeah i found those sorts of um i don't know i mean i um horror, horror is a, i don't know if stephen king is reasonable to call stephen king horror because i think he wears a lot of different hats but um, yeah yeah there, there was a british writer called james herbert who i read quite oh, a yeah, lot yeah. Yeah, yeah, um yeah. Quite accessible, fast writing, simple prose, propulsive, lots of dialogue. That was the stuff that first spoke to me. Um, the more literary things that we were introduced to at school, I, I never got on with. I, I'm a slow reader. I, I'm dyslexic, so it, it takes me a little while to get through a book. So I did find those sorts of um, stories were the ones that interested me. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, so I suppose did that kind of did the did the dyslexia almost make you more kind of choosy about the kind of books that you yeah. or, 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 or made it clear in your head the kind of stuff that really clicked because it was only the stuff that really clicked that you would stick with
2: I think so I think it probably still does actually Tariq because um I, I really admire people who can plow through a book in the day even if it's not their cup of tea just for the say, I've read it so, I mean I really f- struggle to read something that doesn't grab me because I'm quite yeah. slow yeah. um Uh, so yeah i suppose i was quite picky and then the when i got late into things like chandler um again that's quite spare prose small books ed McBain as well you know the americans crime fiction writers Elmore leonard you know these are books that are very dialogue heavy you you just open them up and it looks accessible whereas if you open up dostoevsky for example it's like whoa this is an assault on the eyes it's quite...
0: yeah. <laughs> and and there's there's something about Chandler or or Leonard where they kind of it's almost like a kind of sing-songy prose and it kind of yeah. once you can kind of, once you get in the rhythm of it, it almost it flows really easily and it's quite a yes. nice yes. you kind of easily easy read almost isn't it
2: I completely agree and it's just it's a it's an area of writing that I don't I don't hear it spoken about enough because I'm a crime writer it's often it's you get asked about plots and character, which obviously are very important, but uh, I think the actual the, the prose, the choice of words that the writer puts on the page, and this the way it sounds, the music of it, the swing of it, I think is so important. And I think that's one of the so with a writer like Chandler, what makes him still so readable is just the way it sounds. It just sounds so good to hear it yeah. read.
1: Um, yeah, the, the the you know the the commonly used phrase of the voice of the author is sometimes is. a bit amorphous, but with certain writers like Chandler, um, like Elroy, and things like that, it, you you totally understand what people are talking about with that because yeah. it, sometimes it is difficult to get in tune with that voice at first, but once you do, it it you're completely absorbed by it, and it is like. Although you're reading it, it is like someone sort of telling you the story almost. I think. Yes, yes. Um, and so, when did you start? Um, you know, you, you said that you always wanted to be a writer. I mean, when did you start sort of writing seriously? Then,
2: it, it's, I stopped. Started really. I, I guess I I took um, some writing courses in my twenties, but I I am. Um, I just did that classic thing where really I I, um, I didn't have anything to write about. So I just wrote about me. It was sort of exorcising my stuff, which, you know, was very sort of maybe a bit cathartic at the time, but it wasn't very interesting for anyone else. Um, and then I realised this is, takes quite a lot of perseverance. So I stopped, started. And then in my, as I got in late 20s, and I think we started, my partner and I were thinking about having a child. And I was like, Gosh, this is quite big now. I'm going to um, have less time than I have at the moment, and if I'm going to do this, I need to do this now. So I am, um, mm-hmm. and by that point, I had accumulated some life experiences, which I thought could create interesting plots. So I had a few ideas rattling around my head, um, and I thought I knew about genre, and and I'd read things about um, you know, the commercial aspect of fiction, and, and I thought, no, I, I really want to um, give this a go, and, and not just um you, uh, stop start I want to commit yeah. to this and I was lucky enough to um I, I met a few writers just by chance um I, I met Will Self who was very nice to me and he he sort of he, he gave some very good advice it's a long time ago now but he said well firstly what what are you um prepared to sacrifice for this because you're gonna have to give things up if this is gonna go anywhere and that, that's mm-hmm. that like the seed because i was like okay that's interesting um and he said you know um this this needs to hurt you know it needs to hurt to not write that's how much you need to to want this and and i and i i've it does when i go for a few days without writing just sometimes life happens uh, something's missing in me it's like i can really that that's stayed in my head and that that really resonates so i i i knew i was serious about it and and i had um an endurance kind of mindset I, I i a long distance runner and i think that's a there's some overlaps between that sort of activity and, and creative writing and then i applied to um uh curtis brown um talent agency which had a just started a creative writing school yeah
0: um
2: and they're offering scholarships um because i um i, um, I, I wouldn't have been able to afford it otherwise and, and i was lucky enough to be one of I think I was their first scholar, as they called them then, um, for like underrepresented writers um who weren't sort of familiar with the industry because I, I I was still considering myself a, a bit of an outsider, and, and they, they gave me that, and that, that was a real game changer because um it, it's suddenly you're exposed to serious writers, and you walk into their offices and there's people walking around you recognize, and it's it's agents came to speak to us, and that's how I met my agent um he came and introduced himself himself to us and uh, we got on so that that was a real game changer to me and i really always encourage writers to apply for things and apply for courses because you know there are fantastic opportunities out there and i find um the writing community are very generous um mm-hmm. yeah bizarrely crime writers are some of the most friendly, generous people I've met, you know expect them to be psychopathic sort of <laughs> and, uh, people but on the contrary, you know, very welcoming bunch. Yeah, yeah. D-
1: it definitely does seem to be a particularly welcoming community um, mm. from fr- from our own experience as well and, and when you were on the Curtis Brown course, um, you know w- what does that, is that a six month course? Is,
2: uh, yeah, they, I think they do different ones they did a three-month novel writing course quite intensive one and they do a longer six-month one and and now they've started doing um r- specific ones which i think are brief courses, sort of uh, genre specific ones and uh, lots of online things as well because it, at that point it was pre-covid it was very london-centric which obviously uh, ostracizes a lot of people but um mm-hmm. Yeah that was a 3 month course it was taught by Charlotte Mendelson who, who was a fantastic tutor and we had lots of guest tutors coming in but what was good about that course was um um unlike other kind of like an MA in creative writing which it, I've no, I'm not done one of those I hate to to it, but I've been told that they are you know university based so it's not as sort of industry oriented yeah. it's more kind of the craft of of writing which is obviously very important but what what i liked about the curtis brown course it was also had a commercial slant to it so you know that they, they were thinking about and talking about from the start you know what what's your commercial appeal you know you have mm-hmm. to think about a genre you have to think about where would this book that you were writing be positioned on, a, on in a bookshop um mm-hmm. which was very important looking back and and um and on that course, it was funny that they, they did tell us, "Now, don't expect, you know, to be a, a runaway bestseller. You know, that's very rare. And when you, when you hear about these stories about the, these things happening, it, you know, it, it, don't, don't believe the hype. But one member of our course had this idea of a book and we were just reading snippets of it. And I thought, like, this is very good. And she's just gone on to go, which is <laughs> and That that was inspiring to see happen. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. It's interesting as well that they, they emphasize the commercial side of things so much mm-hmm. because um I think there can be a certain uh, attitude or approach that, that people have to writing uh, that is that, you know, you must do this for the art, you must write for yourself mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, never write for the market and don't chase trends and all that. And I think there is certainly an element of truth in all that, but um if you're... If you are writing for any purpose other than for yourself, you know, just I, I want to, to write this down for me, then you always have to have some sort of eye on the on the commercial side, on where yeah. you would be in a bookshop potentially. I think.
2: Yeah, I, I completely agree, and I, I've, um, yeah, you, you know, the I think crime particularly is is a commercial sort of fiction, and I with my book, it was I'd written it in a form and then um originally it began with the the death a death of a a female young female protagonist and i was speaking to an editor from the course and they were like i'm sick of reading crime books where it begins with a young dead female and i was like oh no (laughs) (laughs) so um i i gave her a sex change and then i gave one of the um antagonists um, a a change as well um, just to sort of subvert things yeah then it grew legs it suddenly got that exciting feeling in my tummy again about this novel you know it was different Um, and and, uh, things began moving I'm not long after that actually yeah cool
0: and I wanted to ask a bit more about the about the writing course that that you did Curtis Brown one because we've chatted a few folk who've, who've done that course and you know what what sort of thing do they actually teach you in terms of what's the kind of day to day aspect of the course? Is it like a kind of lectures? Is it what's mm. the setup there? And, and and did you find it like a genuinely useful tool? And
2: yeah, it is quite intensive. Um, it, it, each um, it was it was weekly, but some weeks there was two sessions. Um, so there would be a, a, a session that was a, a and the two hour session, and the first hour would be on a an area of creative writing, now, there were fairly obvious things, you know, about character and, and, um, uh, viewpoints and plotting, um, and, and pacing and these sorts of aspects. And then the second half, you would be critiquing each other's writing. So midweek we would, um, share, uh, a few thousand words of each other's scripts. Um, and then you would give constructive feedback, um, which is a fairly standard format, I think of these groups. Um, But the, I'd say that the quality was very high um, of the the teaching. um, Mm -hmm. Our our teacher, she, she, um, how can I put it? She, she was quite frank with us, Mm -hmm. um, which was good, you know, and, and it it was, she was doing it in a kind of kind way, but she, she she said what she saw. um, And, and we were quite candid with each other by the end of it. Um, And then by, in between also, in addition, though, there were the um, guest speakers. So we had, um, well, my, my agent came to speak, for example, and um, uh, uh, Felicity Blunt came to speak. She brought one of mm. her writers. Um, and there, there was some de- debutant writers um, who Curtis Brown had recently sort of helped their careers along. And there were editors as well um, who were, would give their sort of opinions about things and, and what they look for and what they dislike. Um, for example, a, a crime book starting with a dead female. Um, so, um, and then there was um, big sort of drink ups at the end, you know, a, bit of a piss up really, which was really nice. But by that point we all knew each other quite well because yeah. uh, creative writing groups are quite intense um, c- c- communities, I find, you know, and, and you're, although you are sharing fiction, you are sharing a lot of yourself through that work. And and if you do take criticism, you know, you do show vulnerability. So we were, by the end of, you know, we were going to the pub every, after every session and getting to know each other quite well. And we're still in touch um, and we share work uh, and praise and things like this. It's been fantastic watching the projection of of people in our group. Um, um, Yeah.
1: I, I think as a as a writer as well you know what you're saying about about feedback about criticism about being candid it, it, it is something that is very important to mm-hmm. the development of someone as a writer but I think also there is a you know there there is a there's a skill to the, doing that in the right way as well because yeah. you want any criticism to be as you say candid but at the same time you don't want it to be unnecessarily blunt i suppose no. <laughs> um uh, you know uh, in a way that's going because it is a very personal thing to put your writing mm-hmm. out there for someone else to read because it's something that as you say is coming from you you spent a lot of time on and then someone could tear it to pieces in a, in a few yeah. seconds um yeah. so i mean do do they do they teach you about that or is it just through the experience of of doing yeah, it yeah. that you kind of learn
2: there's guidelines ground rules i think you do them up and you um that I remember that that it was well handled yeah and, mm. and no, no one was um inappropriate I, I recall I mean the quality was really high though I mean that sometimes yeah. there wasn't a huge amount of critique I found um there were really good writers
1: in my course yeah and, and, and sorry Terry, when you go
0: no see that that when you when you went into kind of writing you know when you when you when you. When you started trying to write um once you'd done the course. Am I right in saying that you, you went into the short stories first or or did you do short stories before you, you did the writing course? Because you've put a few short stories out and you've and you've you've done well with them. And I kinda I kinda wondered where on the timeline of your journey those stories sat. I was I was right
2: I was writing short stories um to begin with, though I found those I, I really wanted to see if I could get anything in print. I and mean, there's lots mm. of places where certainly in crime where you can get published you know um so I started writing some shorts and I was it to be, begin with I was imitating people that I I really admired um Stephen King wrote amazing short stories actually yeah absolutely um and and you know I got into um Black Mask which was like um an early sort of hard-boiled magazine that Chandler used to write for and um, I wanted to sort of imitate that style, um, mm-hmm. and I sent some stories off to um, uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Mystery Magazine, which is still going, and they 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 bought um, a couple. Um, and I was like, you know, it's, it, seeing your stuff in print for the first time is quite a feeling, actually. And I was like, well, this this is this is working now. They, I've I've found my my feet. So I. Um, and um, in the way that Murakami sort of began ideas in some of his novelettes and, and shorts, and then they became novels, I sort of pulled ideas together from some of the shorts into novels um, with that confidence, I suppose. Um, yeah, because writing a novel, is it's such a, a long process, you know. Yeah. It, it's a co- big commitment. And, you know, it, even if you can write several thousand words a day, that's still first draft, and then you've got to do the editing and all of that. So I, I you know, you, uh, I've I've learned so much from writing shorts actually about does is this arc of this story worthwhile? Is, is this worth mm-hmm. committing to or not? Yeah. And,
1: and so, I mean, what is your what is your process in terms of you know, do you set a target for, a daily target, or do you have a certain time that you write between, or how yeah. how does it work for you?
2: If I'm doing a first draft, a thousand words a day is my um, baseline. I, I need to reach that target. And I'm quite um, OCD around that, I suppose. You know, I don't let myself fall below that. But if I go beyond that, that's that's even better. Um, and I outline that quite sort of uh, fastidiously as well. Um an outline for me will be between five and 10,000 words, you know, so it's quite a big, mm. big piece of work and it will be oh, wow, in columns, yeah. you know, so that, uh, um, when does this happen and, and each scene and then how will that scene fall into a chapter? Um, I tend to not have multiple viewpoints. so I'm not moving around a great deal, however, um, uh, you know, the, the psychic distance is important and I'll think about that. Mm. Um, and um, But what I've learned about outlines is, and I've not um i've not figured out why this is sometimes on, on the outline it can look like it's uh effective and it's convincing but then when you come to writing it it's like this isn't working this yeah, this, yeah. this is this is me deciding what my characters should do but my character wouldn't do that you know yeah. so then they mm. they you have to change it but I've, so I've, I've learned to not be too strict on the outline and if it needs to change then change it um and then obviously that can confuse things because then subsequent things need to change but um that the the this the book i've recently finished which i submitted um i'd outlined it all and i thought it was quite effective but then i came to the end and i was like um, um it's too predictable how that that twist I, I can see it coming what if i just shake things up and make that character the the antagonist instead and i hadn't thought of that you know so i'd written it the whole way through thinking it's going to be character yeah. a in fact it's character b and suddenly that's interesting um yeah so that took some rejigging but i think it's a far better book as a result
0: yeah and i mean those are those kind of moments where i guess that's when you kind of realize things are working things are clicking into place because you've got suddenly you've got a better grasp of who the character is and that yeah. and he's kind of or she is dictating in in you know themselves what needs to happen and and, and you know, we've chatted before about how we've, we've read books or seen films where you know something's happening right. just because the plot says it and it doesn't feel true and, yeah. it, and it, it just doesn't feel right and it's, it kind of takes you, it takes you out of it yeah. Um, so yeah I think that moment of oh this is this is where it has to go and you almost don't have a choice in the matter, it's quite nice Yeah, is that what you find that as well? Yeah definitely, yeah. there's been moments where I've kind of Struggled with an ending, or, 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 or I've been writing something, and I'm like, this scene just doesn't, it's not working, it doesn't feel right, and it's, and I'm invariably, it's because I'm trying to force character to do something which, yeah, I've kind of set them up in a way which they wouldn't do that, and I think, well, yeah. I'm not being true to who they are,
2: supposedly. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, what, what, what am I allowed? To, what, what are you guys writing? Am I allowed to ask? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> Yeah, So, I, I, well, I do kind of like I'm working on kind of crime, kind of modern day crime stuff. So it's kind of. Not just do not a million a million miles away from yourself to be honest that kind of uh, d- detective character kind of stuff and so it's a lot of um, I guess it's a lot of plotting in terms of like you're doing your twists and turns and your red herrings and stuff but then I, unlike yourself I find I can't do that kind of meticulous plotting and I, I quite like the pantsing method of just seeing what happens and then you end up with a horrible first draft that makes like no sense we <laughs> draft the whole thing yeah
1: yeah i'm i'm more sort of a speculative fiction uh, and i i am i do need a plan i find although i have been experimenting with some shorts of like just having an idea and just writing it and seeing seeing where it goes but i'm just someone that always i always get to a point and i think well no that can't happen and i i need things to sort of you know, I will stop for a long time sometimes uh, to make sure it all works, so I, I'm not something that I, I don't like to get to the end of the first draft and then have to completely rejig everything at, at that yeah. point, so it does take a bit longer for me, I think but, um, you know it, it's it, as, as we have learned from speaking to so many people, everyone's got their own their own way of working and I, I do think that it's definitely beneficial to sometimes take yourself out the comfort zone and try different mm-hmm. methods and you can be surprised sometimes at, mm-hmm. at, at what will work for you. Yeah. And
0: I think mm-hmm. that's what's so good about short stories also, isn't it? Cause they're kind of chances to experiment with form or a genre mm-hmm. that you maybe haven't written before and you've got, mm-hmm. you know, five, 10,000 words and you can just kind of go for it without much of a plan and just see how you get on. And it's quite a nice way to try out techniques and yeah. things like that. Yeah.
2: I completely agree. I, I think the shorts, you know, and, and I like a word count um, limit. You know, when it says mm-hmm. like, you, know, you need to write shorts to five thousand words?" That's not much, um, and, I, and, I, and I enjoy that challenge. You know, and then you, you finish the first draft. It's it's five thousand five hundred or whatever, and you've got to give it a quite quite a good haircut and, and get it down to meet that target. Um, yeah. That that's kind of a discipline. I think it's a very useful discipline to have to practice. Um, yeah.
1: Definitely, and and so um, your your debut novel uh, was um, next to die came out in uh, February. Um, yeah. Was that something that you were working on when you were at Curtis Brown, or was that something yeah. that you wrote yeah. afterwards? Right. Yeah, okay. it
2: was that was um, the, the uh, that
1: was what I submitted actually that helped me get onto the course. Yeah, right. Okay. And yeah. so, do you do you want to just tell us a little bit about that book? Sure,
2: the next to die is. Um, a f- first in a, in a series of um, first-person narratives that fits somewhere within the uh, kind of hard-boiled um, detective genre. Um, mm-hmm. The original idea was what kind of book might Raymond Chandler have written if he was a psychiatric nurse in London in the 21st century, which is the job I do. Um, so... Um, I wanted to write something that was authentically to do with mental health, particularly men's mental health, but was Mm -hmm. also a fast-paced crime story. Um, So it's kind of fusing professional experience with my literary passions. Um, Yeah, excellent.
0: And is that something which you you know is quite important to you? That kind of writing about you know, obviously you're you're a psychiatric nurse and. You you want to kind of yeah infuse your writing with that kind of ideals or 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 experiences and is that something that's quite important for you in terms of not just inspiration but also kind of topics or issues that you want to explore and share?
1: Yeah, def-
2: definitely. And I, and I think um, I'm, I'm speaking with a personal, you know, personal interest, professional interest, but I think there's also lots of commercial interest in these subjects as well. Mm-hmm. In, in topics of trauma and 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 men's mental health and suicide i I quite um resonate with people at the moment i've been um really delighted that people are contacting me saying you know your book is it's not the sort of thing i normally read but it really grabbed me um for the topics that you've raised that's wonderful to hear and um yeah so it was i really and i guess also because i debuted on you know not I've never worked in the police force, and in fact, I wouldn't have had the confidence to write a police procedural with authenticity because there's—you have to really know your stuff these days. because yeah. you know, there's, there's lots of readers who will hold, pull you yeah, up on absolutely any facts yeah. you get wrong. But I thought I could write about these sorts of subjects with, with authenticity. I, I knew what I was on about, so yeah, um, it was important.
1: Mm. And and it is the the the, the first or the, certainly the plan to be the first in the series with the, yeah. the, your protagonist, Dylan Casper. Um, it, it, I always wonder about that. Was it always in your head the start of a series or did it start out as a standalone thing?
2: No, it was always the start of a series. So, um, I, I I wanted to... You know, the, the sky's the limit. You know, I, I like mm. series, but I like following characters um, through the course of a series. And it's also... There's far more commercial potential with series. Yeah. That was, um I think, one of the things the agent liked was, you know, he, when he went to editors, he took this book, but he also took a synopsis for book two, book three, as, as you know, as a taster, and it was a book, two book deal um that they wanted. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I think it's it's a good idea to write series books for that
1: reason alone, really. <laughs> and and when you're writing a book like that, then with with the idea that this is going to be a series. Obviously, it needs to work on its own, but I'm just wondering. You said that you're someone that is an outliner. Um, do you ha- you know how detailed is are your ideas for the future entries in that series?
2: It's interesting. I I was just looking at those um today. Um I mean I'm up to I've outlined up to book five. Um and I know how I want the series to end, um, roughly. Um who who I want to still yeah. be alive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but and I don't know how I, I've got I've got the rough number in my head of sort of ten Stories. If if I could get away with writing ten of these books, that'd be incredible. But you know, that's, I'm just picking it out of the sky, really. um So I tend to get ideas so far, and I still consider myself very new to this this writing business. um It's not just like one idea that just dropped into my head. It tends to be different things, sort of that synthesise together. So it's often something in the news that will. Uh, disturb me, or something at work that will kind of really sort of speak to me, um, and then I'll think about how that could fuse into a plot that I'm already mm. thinking about. So um, the second book, you know, I was really um, uh, I, I don't know d- disturbed can to use that word by the sort of toxic masculinity um, that's in in the press at the moment, and, and sort of certain individuals who shall remain nameless. I'm sure you know who I'm referring mm. to. Um, so I really wanted to sort of explore that through my protagonist who is himself quite a deeply flawed toxic male in some respects you know he's violent he he, he fulfills a lot of those um, characteristics but he has those challenged through the story and that that was, so suddenly I I had an idea and that sort of then grew legs and characters start appearing, I don't know if it's the same for you, but some characters just pop up in my head sometimes and they, they seem to come from nowhere but they obviously I've been marinating away at some, somewhere in the back of my mind.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I sometimes find like, uh, I'll just have a snippet of a, of a scene or a character saying something mm-hmm. or something, and then it can, you just sort of let it sit there and it it, it can develop into something more. Sometimes.
0: Yeah. When you, when you've got this kind of idea of a series of books and you've kind of got this end point where you want to take everyone to et cetera, when it comes to pitching that as from from the start you know is that something what you think is quite important for writers to say to publishers or to agents this is the first and what i think would be a series you know is it important to flesh out where you think the series would go or to just say look here's a book there's potential there but you know yeah
1: because i think on the on the other side of the coin there is the danger of saying this is the first in an epic ten book <laughs> series, <laughs> and that might put people off. I imagine sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I I, can, I don't know,
2: guys. I, I can only speak from my own experience that you know I had um, an idea in mind for a series, mm. and, and um, enough I could talk at length about different novel ideas that I had and I'd written sort of short stories with this character so I knew it wasn't just a kind of a a one-hit wonder that he yeah yeah for for me what what's the the first one I think is I hope it's the hardest because this was a slog but the origin story (laughs) is hard you know and I really admire people who write kind of a new standalone every year with a whole new set of characters and a whole new Mm, universe I think that's really tough and what I like about my character um, is, I know him very well. You know, I, I, I know what he likes for breakfast and I know what clothes he wears. um, So what my job I I think is to put him in new situations and surround him with, you know, different characters who challenge him and and make him uncomfortable. And that's where the, 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 the growth comes and the, you know, and uh, but I, I don't feel nearly confident enough to write, you know, a whole new, universe once a
1: year that would be daunting yeah mm-hmm. and and uh, you mentioned when you were talking about the Curtis Brown course that obviously you got a scholarship there I mean do you think you know um representation for sort of underrepresented writers in, in the industry is a big thing diversity and stuff and do you think that the opportunities are getting better for for people that you know aren't your classic sort of <laughs> rich oxbridge yeah. writers or or th- things like that
2: well hmm. um it's uh, not not nearly as much as it should be it, it's, no. it's 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 tough you know and it, it's there's this um i don't know i mean there's this misconception that which i had as a child you know that that writers must be very very intelligent um, which they are, you know. Don't get me wrong, but genius is almost, you know, to write these 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 things called books. But mm-hmm. from talking to writers now, it, it they it's about perseverance. It's about doggedness. It's about mm-hmm. just not giving up. You know, once lots of people write a, a first draft. I've met so many people who write a first draft, but then it sits in a drawer. But the the, the, the bit that I think separates um, people who, who do progress and those who, who don't is. That editing process, and to really just persevere with it, and you know, you get to a point where you hate this manuscript. I'm so sick of reading mm-hmm. these words. Um, but it's it's not letting that defeat you. Um, yeah. And and you know, like what Will Self said to me, you know, you, you've got to. It's got to hurt to not do it. You know, you've got to really be committed into this. Um, I, I would write. You know, if 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 I. Got sacked by everyone the, to, to tonight. I'll still be writing tomorrow. I'm sure of it because I, I do genuinely like it. It's, it's good fun to, to mm-hmm. take the characters and put them in weird situations and seeing if you can pull it off. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's quite a nice way 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 to put it, isn't it? Because I think you know, writing is a is one of these jobs where you kind of you're by yourself a lot in your own head and a lot of rejection and yeah. you have, to have a thick skin and you're also putting yourself out there for the people to read and to criticise, etc. And it's yeah. It's um, it's it's. I suppose the reality of 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 a of a writer's job and stuff is probably very different than what I certainly imagine as well as a as a as a kid. And also how little you get paid for it as well seems to be. Well, I know that's the other thing. I mean, the
2: the whole economics of writing. I mean, it. Um, I mean, I, I mean I, I'm I'm totally into transparency. I mean, I I couldn't afford to live on. Being a writer as things yeah. and it, it's it's um, so and and from talking to many writers, particular you know people who are well known, you know that they they still have to do other
0: things to make ends yeah, meet. Yeah, yeah. So rare um, that people can make a a living off just writing alone? Isn't
2: it? I, I I know a few people who do it, but they they tend to do screenwriting and to do teaching as well, to, um, just yeah. to, to make ends meet. Um, it's, it's a it's a hard gig you know so um if if you are from an underrepresented community i think it's even harder quite possibly um to break in um yeah
1: yeah and is is screenwriting or anything like that something that you would like to explore in the future i'd love to i don't i
2: don't i've just um my, my got this software called final draft have you heard of yeah. it oh yeah. yeah um i don't know how to use it but <laughs> it's one of these uh, things
0: where there's like a billion menus and at first it's like indescri- indescribable indecipherable right. um, but yeah it's 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 a, it's we've used it a few times as well and it's it's a great yeah. bit of kit for sure
2: yeah yeah i've i've got an idea for a uh a, some a tv program which i'd love to try and do but um i've never i've never written for the screen so I, I don't know how i know if it works if you can recommend any
1: books or video is something well, g- right. genuinely I find the best thing in terms of screenwriting is um, to get copies of old scripts yeah. in of, that totally helps you find the rhythm of it and right. the amount of white space that there should be on the page and all the show don't tell and stuff the BBC writers room has a lot of old BBC mm-hmm. scripts up there Right, um, and there's a book it's more for films but there's one called the Hollywood Standard that's very good in terms of the the technical formatting of scripts and stuff like that so yeah th- that's quite a good one to get as well and yeah homer's done
0: is a really good book do
1: you, you both write scripts then as well we have together we, we, as a it's sort of to to get away from that solitary writer thing it's something that <laughs> yeah. we've done together and um, we've written a few scripts which are very very different from the books that we've yeah. <laughs> they're more sort of screwball comedies rather than the uh, <laughs> uh, dark and deep crime or, or yeah. speculative thrillers yeah but... it's
0: quite nice to write write a will Ferrell script <laughs> yeah exactly. get out with that headspace of dark murders <laughs>
1: <laughs> um but w- w- what about yourself so you the the next die is out um the second mm-hmm. book is presumably out next year but what yeah. what's what's in the pipeline What are you working um
2: i um, so i've, I've so i've the editors um, seem to quite like book two, which is really great because I, I, I can't tell you how daunting it is. I and mean, when you get a, um, I had a two-book two deal, um, and the first one was mostly re- finished, so I didn't need to do a great deal for that. But then, and I've got a really nice editor, a very nice chap, and he, he, he sort of said, "Well, approximately in a year's time, if you could submit book two. So suddenly, I've got a de- deadline, and um, and I've there's sort of um, money attached to that deadline so it, it does change things a bit actually and, and um you know they talk about second out al- second second album syndrome yeah. you know i like mm-hmm. took stone roses nearly six years to put out their second album um i i, I was really worried about that but i am um, i just tried to uh apply the sort of the the, the things that i had learned and to think about what I wanted to write about um, the, the themes, um, and I had a, an idea that I thought, no, this this is interesting, and it's uh, it's a departure from book one. It's a different sort of. Um, if, if book one the antagonists were more kind of um, money making criminals, I wanted to write to see, I should say, if I could write a, a, an antagonist who was a, a real psychopath. Someone who actually is as, as a sadist to, to see if I could pull it off. So, um, I nice went into that. So, it, it's um, a bit, bit worried because people have said book one's dark, and I'm like, what? <laughs> 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 yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it is, I, I think it's quite good. It's, it still needs some work, and I'm also, um, uh, we'll see if, if they would like more on the strength of these two, then I'd love to. I've also writing a standalone, um, book which is something I um not not done yet um, which is a, a crime kind of, a, a, I don't know if, if the term domestic noir which um, I've heard okay. once or twice um, yeah. I think I know what that means. Um, I mean I'm interested in noir from it, noir is a term that gets used a lot and for me noir is just, it's quite a specific genre it's often mm-hmm. film but it, it, there is noir books of, of a particular period but you know it's about light and shade and the sense of paranoia and you you have sort of certain character archetypes of a, you know, a yeah. feminine style um, and a very flawed protagonist. And there has mm-hmm. to be this theme of um, doom within it. You know, you do know that this is not going to end well. Um, yeah. you know, uh, Dublin indemnity, for example, it begins at the end and your protagonist is, is you know, he's, he's not looking very clever. Um, so I wanted to sort of explore these tropes within um, kind of a modern domestic setting, um, so that's
1: going quite well. Yeah. Cool. Well, that sounds awesome. Nice.
2: Brilliant.
1: Uh, what was the last book that you read?
2: Um, the, the, the last book, I, I brought it with me actually, it was um, this one, um, which is by Dorothy B. Hughes in a lonely place. You can see that's the film adaptation with Humphrey Bogart, um, which was. To do with this standalone, that I mentioned it was. I wanted to, um, uh, I was more interested in the actual the, the writing rather than the plot of this book because uh, I think she's a beautiful uh, and an overlooked writer of that sort of noir um, genre. But the, the, the prose, the style of it, mm-hmm. um, I found highly poetic captivating. captivating. Um, I also reread recently Have You Had A Simple Plan by Sam Smith?
1: Yeah a fair about.
2: It's brilliant book. Mm-hmm. Um which and he's sort of gave up writing after his second book but that that again uh, um he's gone to screenwriting or something but I forgot how good that is such a fast um and, and captivating first person crime story very noir you know this isn't going to end well.
0: Yeah. yeah. Mm. Nice. Uh what about the last film that you watched? <laughs> um, I, I've say,
2: I I've watched um, Man of Steel, the Superman film. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I just wanted to watch something that just I didn't have to do any work. It just happened, um, and it it was quite
1: quite entertaining actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. Out of all those sort of DC films, i I, th- I think that's one of the better ones. I
2: yeah, I really like the, It's the bloke who plays General Zod it. He's got very. Michael um, Shannon. He's fantastic. Shannon, isn't yeah. He's, he's fantastic, fantastic, really good. Yeah. Um, but, uh, he plays that well. Um, and I saw the, the single Whale with Brendan Fraser. That oh, yeah. Got, oh, right. Um, which, which is. Uh, it's cla- claustrophobic films just set within a, an apartment with this man who's morbidly obese and dying. It was it was hard work. Um, but it was worth watching. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's one of these films that I know uh, you know, I probably should watch and it's very to be very good, etc. But I just every time I think about oh, I'm like, Oh, it's just so it's such a depressing, yeah, grim I'm not sure if I'm in the right mind. You know, there's, yeah. there's certain types of same like all is it all quite in the Western Front, which I yeah. know is gonna be a grim, yeah, yeah, yeah. Depressing watch. And I'm like, God oh, or I could just watch a comedy. And just, yeah, I'm really bad for getting it. Yeah, for not challenging myself like that.
2: Yeah, no, I feel the same. I, I've, I, I mean, I do
0: like war films,
2: but I've not got the um, I've not got the mental health
0: for all quiet at the moment. Yeah, no, it's okay. <laughs> two and a half hours, whatever of uh, of just grim death. I mean give that a wee wait for watch that one. I think.
2: Mm.
0: How about you guys? What
2: What have you watched or read that
0: you liked?
1: Uh, what have I? <clears throat> Well, you, no, Derek, you thinking. just finished...
0: Oh, Last of Us. Yeah. I just finished watching The Last of Us last night, um, which was... Yeah. Oh, Oops, my dog. Which was, yeah, fantastic. You talk about grim, grim depressing, <laughs> nine hours of uh, pretty, <laughs> pretty pretty messed up, sad stuff. But, yeah, it's it's a fantastic show. If you, if you don't watch that, I would 100% recommend that.
1: Okay. Uh, I, I, I've i not watched... Oh, no, I watched The Shining Girls. That's what I watched most recently. The, oh, yeah. The adaptation last... of the Lauren Bukas book. Um, which I loved the book, and I really thought it was a great series until the very last episode. And I'm sure I can't. It was a, been a while since I read the book, but I'm pretty sure it didn't end in the way that the TV series ended, which mm-hmm. was a bit of a anticlimax, I have to say. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, otherwise very good. But now that I've said that about the ending probably not worth watching
0: (laughs) (laughs) well the the very very last thing we do is a a super kind of quick fire either or and um, I always say there's no right answer here apart from perhaps one but we'll start off with uh, Lee Child or James Elroy Uh,
1: James Elroy Uh, TV or cinema TV
0: TV. Uh, Night Owl or Early Bird
1: Night owl. Uh, music or no music when you're writing? No music.
0: And the last one, uh, real book or ebook? Real book. Ah, unfortunately, the correct answer was ebook. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid it's been great having you on, but no, no success. Well, what if I asked you audio book or ebook? Would you have said ebook?
2: Um. So, what, real book or audio book?
0: An no, audiobook or ebook book audiobook, yeah. I'm, I'm not a fan <laughs> <of> e-books, yeah. Oh <laughs> ah, dear. Yeah, Tarek tries to get everyone small, to the e-book, but very few small do. number of us yeah, that are e-book exactly. supporters here. Yeah. Underdogs, I like to say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, thanks very much, to Elliot for coming on the podcast. I thought that was really interesting, and you know interesting and I suppose heartening to hear how he got on the Curtis Brown course with, yeah. with the scholarship because I think yeah. it is important it's it's a big thing in creative industries that there are these barriers that are there not just in terms of the sort of gatekeepers of agents and publishers and things like that but actually being able to get into these courses and stuff it all costs money and if you don't have the money then it can be very difficult to to yeah. you know it's an even bigger hurdle to try and break in so yeah. when someone like curtis brown on these courses is offering uh, scholarships and stuff i think i think that's really important as has been shown in elliot's case in particular yeah absolutely i think
0: we you know we've said before that that writing is on some level the easiest kind of hobby or job to have in terms of what you need to get going you know it's a pen and paper or a laptop yeah it is it, is really all you need so there's not much of a buy in but as you say beyond that there's there's so much stuff where you do need to spend money C- creative courses or just traveling to go to book festivals or or you know and
1: or even even having the time to actually write because yeah yeah you know, absolutely you need yeah, to yeah. earn money to live so and it, and as we've,
0: we've chatted about before and on our recent page one extra. Yes. You do not make very much money from writing if you are the majority of writers. Um, so it, it it's that kind of yeah. It doesn't may might not cost you much to go, but you probably won't make much from it either. So how do you how do you handle a writing job with a career when you don't have that time because you need to work and then. You know how do you do a creative writing course if you can't afford it because you're not making much money off your books? It's it's a real kind of yeah. circular argument a lot of it. So yeah, I totally agree. Having these kind of scholarships is a is all a good thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. So yeah, again, thanks to Elliot for coming on. You can grab the next to die uh, through the link in the podcast description or in your local bookshop. So we recommend you go and do that. Uh, and next week we've got another great guest on.
0: Yeah, next week we're chatting with Abigail Hibbardis who. Um, like all of our guests, was a wonderful chat and a wonderful uh, swirly route into the industry of of writing. She began in sketch comedy. She's written for a whole bunch of TV, radio shows, Tracy Ullman, uh, that Michelin Webb look. Um, She's went into plays and her first ever book is Mother's Day, which was out uh, March, just a couple of months ago. Uh, And it's a really fun chat we have with her.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting because obviously she largely written comedy, Mm-hmm. prior to this and this book I think is a bit more serious although I think there's sort of elements of dark humor in there as well but um yeah interesting to speak to her about writing across these different formats uh, you know so it's, it's a really interesting chat so please do tune in for that one um before we go today uh, obviously I've, I've mentioned the page one extra podcast I will mention it again because it would be really great if if you could subscribe and follow that as we start that new podcast up but also we will be this year back at chimera festival in edinburgh at the start of june we sponsor that festival it's a sci-fi fantasy and horror festival Uh, and um they've got a whole array of brilliant guests there Um, and we will also be recording a live episode of this very podcast there with a guest to be announced but i know who is in the running and i can promise you it'll be a good one
0: Oh, I don't think I know who's in the running. You've kept no, that no, from I'm me. No, I'm keeping it as a surprise oh, to you as well. Don't tell me until we turn up. <laughs> exactly, yeah. That way I could do no prep and do the work.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, and as ever, if you enjoyed the podcast, please do give us a rating and review on your favourite podcast app. If you're on YouTube, you could head over to you, our YouTube channel, give it a thumbs up and follow us there. Even leave a comment as well. That would be great. <laughs>
0: And if you want to get in touch with us directly, you can send us a tweet in the Twitter machine, which is at UK Page One, or an email, which is podcast at uh, writegear.co.uk, uk, or you can go via Mastodon, which is writing.exchange forward slash at Page One Pod. Aren't, so aren't much to I bet
1: you're looking forward to us joining Blue Sky? Then you. <laughs>
0: I'm gonna. I'm gonna just write out a script of all the twelve different crappy social media accounts that we run yeah, and I just read them out
1: that both of us hate posting on so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's
0: yeah. Why we, need to, we need to hire someone to do the heavy lifting for us exactly. or chat uh, GPT can do that
1: we make so much money out of this podcast that it should be very simple <laughs> um, but yeah uh, thanks for tuning in and uh, we'll hopefully speak to you next week
0: see you later